Welcome to this week's episode of The World According to Craig. As per usual, someone more amazing, smarter, and talented, and prettier than me, please welcome uh, conflict extraordinaire solver, executive coach, Helena Goto. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we're going to talk about conflict, and there's a lot of conflict in society right now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and how maybe conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing or we can find our way out of that. But first, I would love for people to get to know you. I mean, we met because you were my executive coach. You were brought on board to help me figure out this incredible nature of how to be a better executive, a stronger executive. But I mean, how do you even get started in your line of work in in resolution and helping people figure out all of these things around conflict and bias and and all the where, where do you even start? Did you just decide at the age of eight that you wanted to go to <laughs> you wanted to go to school and help people? Yeah, um, I guess I failed to save my family's my parents' marriage. Maybe that's where it started <laughs> when I was eight. That was right. Okay. Uh, no, I. Went and did my MBA and doing that, I realized I really loved the the people piece of business and the and negotiation, mediation. That was the direction I wanted to go. So I came out and then I ended up getting um, a master's in dispute resolution and marrying those two things together has had me in business, helping people, you know, solve problems. And I initially thought mediation, but at that point, by the time you're in mediation, I don't like conflict when it when the whole house is on fire right everything is is burning down around you i like when the sparks are going I'm like, oh, 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 all right like <laughs> i mean speaking as an executive right like the like business is like always a negotiation it's a negotiation with clients and negotiation with vendors it's a negotiation with the consumer when we're marketing consumers it's like okay what do they want how do we get them there what journey what message are they willing to receive Negotiation can feel exhausting and conflict as a result of negotiation can feel exhausting to people. And you chose to make a lifelong career out of it. Yeah, I don't know if I really like, was like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> I, just, I just, I went, it ended up like that. So, and and I, I love honesty. I'm that person who's like, just tell it to me so we can deal with it. I can't stand this like gossiping and back things coming sideways at you. I want to be able to like deal with it and like, okay, let's move forward. It can be frustrating when you talk about like, I love, I love transparency and honesty. Right. And, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I love that forthrightness. Like I, I joke that my memory is not good enough to lie. Cause then I'd have to remember everything that I told everyone. So I have to be honest all the time, <laughs> uh, but it's truly a better way of living. It's a, like a yeah. less stressful way of living. Why? Here's the big question. Why aren't people honest? Cause there are a lot of people who aren't. And then how do you deal with that? My first thought is that they don't feel safe, right? Okay. They don't feel safe enough to be honest. So when you go into a company and they're asked that they want all this, there's so much diversity now, right? They want mm-hmm. all this diversity and they want this inclusion, but nobody feels safe to be honest because nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings. And people, I think, typically are conflict adverse because often conflict doesn't go well. So you just get used to just avoiding it. And so I people are dishonest for all kinds of different reasons, right? So that's interesting. So people can be dishonest because they don't feel safe. What does it take for somebody to feel safe? Now, this is the big question, right? This is 
psychological safety. How do you create that? That is the million dollar question right now. We've been pushing for diversity and inclusion for a long time and we're still struggling with it. Uh, and the reason is you can have all kinds of diversity, but if people don't feel safe, if they don't feel included, you're not going to get the best out of that person and they're not going to stay. So how do you create psychological safety? That is what a great leader does, <laughs> right? That is, that, is, that is something that doesn't just happen on its own. That's something you have to really focus on. Give it attention. I mean, this is what we did with your team. Right. Right when we came in, we had to really look and, and diligently look at the processes of how do we create and you've got to do it with repeated work every mm -hmm. single mm -hmm. day. Like people need to know that they can open their mouths. They need yeah. to they need to know that it's going to be embraced and all of those things. But I guess then there's the flip point because we see in counter narratives and culture that people then there are people who are ready to say, I don't feel safe when they themselves don't understand what safety means or, or, it, or they're using it as a proxy for something else or they're using a proxy for their own emotions. Like is that pot like how do you find the happy middle ground where you can have a tense, we're like straight into it, right? Like where you can have like a difficult conversation with someone and they can feel safe, but where the conflict itself doesn't make them feel unsafe. Because I think a lot of people mistake that conflict makes me feel unsafe, mm -hmm. but that doesn't always have to be the case in your line of work, right? No. No, conflict is great. You know, I love, I think it's fantastic. It's what creates great things. It's how you innovate. It's how you change. You know, if something's not working, what do we need to do to make it work? So that's, a, that's an amazing, I think, fundamental concept. We, we, we are all raised with this sort of cultural idea around us that like fighting is bad or conflict is bad or we're conflict avoidant or we feel unsafe. But you're saying conflict breeds innovation. And I've read a lot of things recently that talk about like great innovation comes out of struggle and conflict and things like that. It, there was a, a meme on Instagram. It was like conflict is just, you know, innovation or something better trying to rise, right, uh, break right. through. Um, why is conflict good or why can conflict be good? It's very different when you've got two people from the same area with the same understanding, the same perspective, disagreeing about something, right? Because they understand each other. But now we're in a world where a lot of us have very different perspectives, different understandings. Uh, and so when we, when we are in conflict, a lot of the time it's just that we have, someone's made assumptions that they haven't checked out and they're mm -hmm. wrong, or they've, 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 um, there's a bias that's kicked in that they haven't realized has kicked in, or uh, they lack the information, the person hasn't communicated the information. So being able to be curious and the way you can be in conflict, there's two different ways, right? There's one where I need to win and you're gonna lose. And the other is, hey, let's have a dialogue, try to understand, I'm, I know you're not a bad person, I know you're not trying to kill me, with with what you're saying, you know, or get me, whatever. The moment you're in that place of defensiveness, um, nothing works. You're not, all these biases kick in, right? My, okay. the confirmation bias, I'm only going to seek out information that I agree with, right. that, that I have. Um, I'm going to devalue everything that you say because it's coming from your mouth. These these biases kick in and we, we're unable to take in new information. So, 
it's there is bad conflict when you're actually fighting like I'm not even listen I'm entrenched you've got your position I've got my position and I just want to argue with you mm-hmm. good conflict is okay we disagreed let's get curious okay so uh, we'll we have a robust discussion <laughs> on the on the on the biases coming up but I want to stick with this conflict lane for a second because I think there's this really interesting idea, right? We've all seen different fights and <clears throat> in, 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 or conflicts in our personal lives and our professional lives um, and the concept of safety and feeling safe enough to have those mm-hmm. conversations. Uh, so there are two types of conflict. So there's the I win, you lose, which mm-hmm. isn't great for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it doesn't even feel good if you win, you're not right. winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's the conflict of, okay, let's we have a misunderstanding. Let's have a dialogue. I'm an optimist. I believe I want to believe in the best in everyone. Like I believe that people are inherently good. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few people without irredeemable or with irredeemable qualities. Um, but how do you know which conflict you're in, and 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 how do you self-identify if you if you if we're in a conversation, we're in a conflict, and I want to be in the like let's have a dialogue conflict, and you're in the I when you lose. What do you do? Okay, so you slow it down. You, if you recognize that the other person is in that space, you need to slow it down because what's happening is they're not in their executive functioning front part of their brain. Okay. They're in their amygdala, emotional, defensive, unable to take in new information. So you, you want to just speak slower and... Okay. Which I'm horrible at. But. <laughs> but, but also ask really logical questions. Okay. Ask them like perceptive, uh, like perception checking and hypothetically, like hypothetically, blah, 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 blah. Um, sometimes if the person is really emotionally triggered by you, bringing a third person that they've got no, that's not going to trigger them is really, really helpful because they'll hear the same information. They're going to devalue what you're saying because mm-hmm. of that bias, um, where if you're if the you see the person as the other, you devalue what they're saying. Right. So the other per, the per third person, this neutral party, which is a role that I often play, they can say the same thing that you'd say, but the other person's going to hear it and and value it. When people bring me in for my business advice, this holds true, right? So the right, the, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They listen to you. They'll listen to you because I'm the third party, and then and then inevitably my client is like, I've been saying that for months, and I was like, yes, but they pay me to say this, so now they're listening. But in this case, what's I? Oh and, yeah. Well, there's lots of things, like, and you want to get off. You want to get into problem solving. You want to okay. get into like, how do we fix? Like, what do we need to do? And off personality, you, you know, and really on behavior. Well, I find one of the most helpful tools that I had to adjust to, which is helpful in life, no matter where you are, is if someone's coming in hot and heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're hard and fast or whatever you want to say the adjectives are. The most difficult adjustment for me was not reacting to that, right? Like it feels a little bit like a Tasmanian devil just spinning out in front of you and like Mm -hmm. threatening to pull you into the tornado. Uh, I'm the animated Tasmanian devil, not the actual Tasmanian devil. Um, (laughs) And stopping and slowing down and then meeting that person in their anger and frustration, like meeting them oh, there yeah. under like, and oh, even yeah. when I, even when I, in my head, sometimes I'm like, if I would never be allowed to behave this way, like out of turn, but you have to like meet them where they are and just listen for a hot minute. Oh yeah. You've got to see them. And for sure. 
And what's remarkable is I've talked, I've actually used this. So I've um, taken everything I learned from you and I've multiplied it out into the world. So um, there's probably some residuals due to you or something from this. But uh, I've used this with a lot of my friends. They they get an email or a text message from work or from a friend and they get like pumped up about it. And they're like, oh, this just isn't right. And my response back is, oh, I know. Like, absolutely. But you have two choices in this situation. You can meet them there Mm-hmm. Uh, in in anger and you two can just fight over each other or you can take a minute and meet them sort of backwards from that right like meet them in their emotion and and dial it back if you dial it back they'll dial it back and then and then you can actually have the dialogue what is fascinating to me is the sheer number of times when someone comes in angry fast furious and if you meet them there and you dial it back as hard as that is, almost every time they dial it back, mm-hmm. it's almost like an instinctive response. Like where if somebody's really, really frustrated and yelling at you and you're like, I hear you, that feel, that must feel awful. They, it's so unexpected for them that they almost short circuit and stop and reset a little bit. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. And, and I always, I use the um, example of anyone who has a toddler, who has a small child and not even a toddler, like a, even a seven-year-old, they'll they'll come home and they'll be blah, blah, whatever. And then, and it, if you don't hear them, they can't, they're going to keep going, keep going until you're actually, oh, that really sucks. Yeah. Even if they've done something terrible at school and they got in trouble and you want to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you've got to be, you've got to go, oh, that's terrible. And then they're like, and it just takes all the wind because they've been heard and then they can hear you. But if you try talking to them before you've heard, acknowledged that you've heard them, they're not going to hear a thing you say. As I saw in a TV therapy show once, like we're all just essentially still children, right? <laughs> like we're all children in some format. Yeah. Um, so being a mother of three makes you much better at dealing with conflict yeah, in this vein. A lot of conflict resolution going on in my house. <laughs> um, that's amazing. So, and by the way, I suck at it. I yell all the time. Whoever wrote the book Scream Free Parenting did not have three boys. <laughs> Either. Oh, I've, I did. I've given up. I did read. I did read. <laughs> I read this New York Times article from this famed child psychologist who said that parents should ask themselves two questions in in quarantine in, in COVID. They should ask themselves: um, Have you or your child killed anyone yet? <laughs> <laughs> if the answer is no, no. great. Okay. Then do you feed your child something other than chocolate? And if the answer is yes. You're doing a decent job. Like th- those are our, those are count? those are COVID. Yeah, it's not chocolate. Um, so those are COVID standards. But I feel a little bit like conflict wherever you in- encounter is in the same vein. We're so conflict averse. We've seen so much conflict. We've seen people trying to burn down the Capitol that just acknowledging the baseline standards of meeting people in those feelings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm although I'm not sure I'm going to meet QAnon anywhere, but like meeting people in their emotions and their feelings and help walk them out of it. So then what's next, right? Like somebody's willing to listen. Like if you've taken the air out, if you've taken the air out of your seven-year-old, what's next? How do you take that next step? Well, it's finding common ground, right? So you're trying to find... My favorite topic, actually. You're listening. (laughs) So you're, you're listening to find that common ground because once you have that common ground, you can go from there. Right, I um, great example. I was in a Uber the other day with a friend. It was around the election, and um, it, the the driver was black, and he said that he voted for Trump, 
And the woman sitting beside me, uh, my friend, went crazy. What is wrong with you? You're incredible. Oh, this oh is God. not an Uber-worthy conversation. You hate yourself. And I'm just like, stop, stop. I want to understand. Like, it's fascinating to me. From the information that I have, I can't understand. You know, like, what is it that made you do that? And he had a really significant reason why he didn't vote for Biden, right? And, okay. And so it's trying to understand that common ground. Like, then you can go from there, right? He still had friends that were in jail because of a law that Biden changed right. 20 years ago, right? And that's all he could think of, hold on to. But he's not going to listen to anything until he's he heard. heard. Well, that's what's infuriating me when I think about big picture conflict in society. We have 74 million people weren't insane when they voted for Donald Trump. Like they truly, genuinely made that choice. And this burn it all down or those people are crazy approach. And then vice versa, from the other side, we've gotten to this partisan conflict, right. big picture. Right. But this is exactly right. We're entrenched. Everyone's entrenched in their situation. And what happens in that situation is all you do is seek out information that supports your belief. Okay. Okay. And you overvalue it. Facts that don't agree with your, what you believe, you just, just don't see them. Like you literally, it's like I run a red light and I get a ticket, but I remember that it was green because <laughs> I don't believe that I would ever run a red light. And I literally, it's called, it's a thing. It's a selective okay. memory. I've mem remembered it being green, but I'm wrong. But I would like die on it, on a cross. <laughs> like I didn't run a red light, right? And that's what's happening. People, it's selective memory and, and overvaluing certain facts. And then... So is Ted Cruz selective memory or is he just lying? Well, <laughs> that's a separate issue. We'll, yeah, we'll leave that one I mean, there. Yeah. Um, well, that's really interesting. So let's get into that, the, the, the confirmation bias. Okay. So I think of a, a Venn diagram, right? Okay. So over here are the facts. Okay. And over here is um, my beliefs. Okay. And there's a little bit in the middle that I totally overvalue. Like I only see that. Something like if I, I find that fact that is in line with my belief okay. and I overvalue it. So if somebody is hell-bent on focusing on the mm -hmm. overlap mm -hmm. in the middle of the diagram, and you, I, I mean, I, I, we see this all the time, which is, um, it's a redirect, it's a red herring where somebody will say, uh, you know, you call out Donald Trump on corruption and then he'll say, but her emails. And you're like, these are two separate conversations. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so there's a minimizing or a selective fact choice, but how do you meet someone in confirmation bias? How do you deal with confirmation bias? Because if you confront them, right, then you, you're you're you have to meet them in the that little piece of their Venn diagram. Okay. Okay, and then that's when you we were saying about asking like asking them these logical questions, getting them to <clears throat> to really really explain, being curious, and asking them what about this and hypothetically what about this things that take them out of that. Defensive fight or okay. flight, right? Okay, so then they have to think about the hypotheticals. You're, you're interested in them. It's asking a lot of questions and being truly curious. genuine and curious, yeah. right? So I, I hear that. I'm a very curious person by nature, um, perhaps so much so that I get my hand my hands burnt and my nose chopped off a lot, but I'm, I want to ask <laughs> the questions, right? I, I, right. I want to I want to know more. There's so much outside the world that I 
maybe it's growing up in in rural Indiana where I didn't have a wide world worldview. Now I want a wide worldview, but uh-huh. how do you? So you have this conversation and you meet them in the middle. Is there always a middle? Like there are some people who say yes. I have do nothing you know what in that common. Is? Yeah. You're a human being. Okay. You're a human being. Let's start there, right? Okay. There is always something. There are I, which they have is, a mother and a father. Right? That's a pretty profound concept because there are a lot of people who say, I like there, there's no middle. I can, there's no, there's no common ground with that person, but there is like biologically there is. Um, yeah. I mean, remember in the war where they used to take, they took a break on, on Christmas, oh, Christmas, the Christmas Eve. Yeah. And they, ceasefire, yeah. and they sit down and had a drink together. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so true. If we can do it in a world war, I suppose we can do it in the office. Um, right. <laughs> it's actually a lesson for everyone. I'm going to make that. I'm going to make that into a sign on the wall that says, "If we can call a ceasefire <laughs> in a world war, we can do it in the office." Um, so you meet them, you ask them these questions. They've got confirmation bias. Are there other things that you have to be aware of? Other bias biases that you have to be aware of coming out of this? Um. Well, like I said, there's selective memory and selective memory, memory okay. and and perception. Um, there is the, um, there is a negative attribution, um, error, fundamental attribution error. Okay. And what that is, is that when I run a red light, it's because, you know, my kid was having a fit and blah, blah, blah. And when you run a red light, it's because there's something wrong with you. Like it's, it's, it's a personality defect, right? I feel, I feel like I've just, I feel like I've just listened to Breitbart be read psychologically right now. Cause that's like <laughs> all of the Breitbart homepage. Um, it's fundamental attribution, attribution error. error. So it's when you, you blame a behavior on the person's personality, like there's something wrong with them. And whereas for yourself, you, you've got a reason. I cut that person off cause I'm in a rush. That person cut me off because they're Right. So (laughs) it's okay. We'll bleep it out later. Um, So in that vein, in fundamental attribution error, can we safely say that in most cases, people are good people and there's not something fundamentally wrong with them? Like, is that the solution? Like, how do you deal with that error? How do you, if somebody thinks that you're an evil person because you ran the red light, how do you, how do you come back to them? That's the issue. I mean, that's the problem is when you start to dehumanize a group of people, then you're not coming at it like that. You're coming at it like there is something deeply wrong with this person because they are X. Right. X. Okay. Right. So we the most important thing is to stop dehum like stop dehumanizing people. <laughs> Do you know oh. even like the what we're doing with you know the other side? It's it's like how could they possibly be X? How could they possibly believe that right. they're yeah? But, I mean, but when you get into that place of being curious and let me understand. That's how you get past that. And when you get information, the worst <clears> thing you can do in a conflict, and this is why I can't stand litigation, is like, don't, they're not allowed to speak to each other. They speak through their lawyers. And all that happens is all of that space in the middle gets filled up with all of this negativity, all these horrible things, thinking the worst of the person. You oh, can- yeah. I mean, a lawyer is just out to be, and I right. say this as somebody who's licensed but don't practice, right? right? Like, it's this whole constant just negotiating position. I often said, say to people, uh, when, when they want to come work for me, you know, my, and they're, 
I was like, listen, in, this isn't a salary negotiation. Tell me truly honestly what you think you're worth because I don't want to start a relationship off on a lie. I don't want to start off with you asking for more money than you think that you're worth so right. that you have position to negotiate right. back, which means that you're lying. I don't want to lowball you and right. say that you're not worth this amount when, I, when I'm comfortable paying this amount because then we're both lying. I don't want to start our relationship off on a lie. Right. Um, and I feel like those legal relationships are like that. So in this mm. art of conflict, which by the way, the look on people's face when I tell them that is like profound, they're, they're <laughs> shocked. So if we're in a confirmation bias and we've got a fundamental... Um, attribution error, and then there's selective memory, memory perception, and perception. And then there's devaluation, devaluing okay. the other person's information. Devaluing the other person's information. It's that perception one that's also really important. Um, there's so many people who say in today's environment, I didn't mean mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. um, how does that work? Right? Like, how do you, because. Right. Well, the thing is, is that unless you're actually having a conversation, the moment you go, that person's just awful and terrible mm -hmm. and stop speaking to them, that's, you can't go anywhere. Okay. As opposed to coming in and having that conversation where you can be, oh, I, that wasn't what I meant. So you're filling in it with information and you agree on how you're going to do it next time. Basically, okay. you, you're like, this is what I meant. I can, and I can see your perspective. And I am authentically sorry that I that that's how you felt that that my behavior impacted you that way, and I will do it like this next time. <laughs> this is enlightening. This is amazing. The thing that I think a lot about is how we've stopped trying to communicate. Right? You see how little communication there is. There's people are afraid to say the wrong thing. There's so like we were saying about people so sensitive. Right? right. You hurt my feelings, and they. Sh and then the backlash on people, particularly people, the privileged group, when they say the wrong thing and then- oh, Social media has got real knives out, yeah. It's, so people are just terrified. So we now when we need to speak, talk more, we've stopped talking. And it's it's. So terrible. if you were the magician of the world and we needed to get more people talking, how would you do it? Oh, to me, it's like you need to put people in- Let's just say we've already got this. We've got the workplace. We've already got these people from all these diverse backgrounds. They need to talk. They need to create this way, some kind of stumble-free zone where people can be heard and people can share and, you know, and then... It's like, it's like a foam oh. gymnastics gym where everyone can fall down and not break their legs. Right. So classic, there's a, a program I don't, uh, called Seeds of Peace. Okay. And this is, they've... It's um, a beautiful, um, I don't know where it is, but it's in America, and it's this beautiful um, summer camp sort of thing. And they bring people from all these different war-torn places, you know, and they put them together for summer camp for six weeks. And then they throw in a few privileged Americans. Okay. You know, they, the Americans, I think, pay for it, and then the other people right. get, okay. And then they literally sit down, and they talk, and they get to know each other. And then by the time they, they have these sessions, and they have to listen. And it'll be someone whose brother was killed by, uh, you know, this. Right. Per, uh, the, the Pakistani person, and they're having to listen to this Pakistani person who feels like they're the victim, right? right? And they're like, hang on a minute, I've never once thought of you as a victim. You're the perpetrator. And so 
by the end of it all, they all become friends and then they go back out into their world and they become these leaders because now they can't talk about the other anymore because they've got a, a good friend who lives over that border. Well, Helena, you've solved the world's problems. We're sending everyone to <laughs> summer camp. <laughs> We're sending everyone to summer camp. Yeah. Um, this has been incredible. I feel like it's the lightning round of like growth and opportunity and conflict to the world, but there's real concrete things in here. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get everyone to take a breath and sign up for summer camp together yes. and seek to understand. Yes. So let's just talk to other people. Yes. I mean, and create some norms around how we do it, how we, how we, the state that we come in, we're so used to winning and losing. Right. We need to dialogue, which is just sitting and listening and not trying to win the argument. That's amazing. Well, thank you for allowing me to sit and listen and ask questions and seek to understand today. I've got 9 million more questions I'm super (laughs) excited about. And thank you for tuning in to The World According to Craig this week. And hopefully, if you're like me, you're a lot more curious and a lot more focused on trying to understand thanks to our amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining, Helena. Thanks for having me, Craig. Thanks for tuning in to The World According to Craig. When I started this podcast, I didn't know what I was doing, and I still don't. But now I have the stories of a lot of incredible people who do know what they're doing. And for that, I'm truly grateful. I hope you tune in every week for more stories just like this one.